Our scripture reading will be from James chapter 1. We'll pick up reading at verse 19. Uh, Before I read that, just a reminder that in um, the book of James begins where he's uh, talking about how we should handle trials of various kinds because uh, we are, of course, strangers living in this world. And um, our citizenship is in heaven. And so we have to live in a very unique way here. And living this way, we are going to face conflicts and trials. And so he says, count it all joy when you face various trials. And he he goes on to explain how we can be joyful. And if we lack joy, that we are to pray to God, who gives wisdom uh, very generously, of course. And he says, these trials come to all regardless of their economic uh, status, and we are not to be in judgment on anybody, remembering that everything we have been given comes by grace. So that should be the equalizer for all of us. We are all recipients of the blessings of God by grace. We shouldn't be angry at God for any trials that come our way, because God, in fact, in Jesus Christ, has made us new creations, the first fruits of a whole new creation. And um, at this point, then, we're picking it up. And he's going to uh, teach us how we are to be joyful, learning how to control ourselves for the sake of God's glory. Um, James 1, verse 19. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Know this, my beloved brothers... Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, But deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is God's word. You may be seated. Before we go to the sermon, let us ask our God for his blessing upon the proclamation and reception of the word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we need your help as we hear your word preached. Help us to understand your word. Understand it as it is preached. And enable him who preaches to bring it in an understandable way. 
But we want to hear you. We want to learn of you. Speak to us. By your spirit, open our ears, our minds, our hearts, and mold us according to your will that we may reflect Jesus Christ. Help us not only to hear and also to act. Lead us in the way of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our focus um, is going to be on the verses 19 through 21. And I'll read those few verses again. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Dear people of God called to be saints, how are you handling your trials? Any of you angry, bitter, resentful? Sometimes you lash out at parents, spouses, maybe children, maybe neighbors. Maybe you handle your trials by distracting yourself with immoral living? You ever sit there wondering why God is allowing your trials to come in your life? James is teaching us to respond to trials like Christ, who for the joy set before him endured his suffering. God has designed suffering, has designed afflictions as the medicine of grace. These light momentary afflictions are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. I want to illustrate if you had been with the men who were going ashore at Normandy in World War II, June, that decisive moment of the war, you would not have found them as they faced the hail of bullets and bombs from the shore, wondering, why are they shooting at us? Why are they throwing all these bombs at us? And they would not be saying, why are the generals sending me into this? Why is the president doing this? No, they wouldn't. Because this is what they had been training for, for months on end. This was their moment. This is what they had been trained to do. They had a job to do. Well, as Christians face trials due to our three primary enemies, our sinful nature, the world, 
and the evil one and his minions, we realize this is what we have been trained for. All the memorization of scripture, all the learning of the catechism, all of our Bible studies, all of the listening to those sermons, all of the partaking of sacraments, all the personal devotions, the family devotions, all of this is to prepare us to stand fast, to be faithful in times of trial. The previous verses remind us that God is most good and God is most gracious and he has brought us forth by his word of truth that we are the first fruits of a whole new creation. And this birth process is painful indeed. But through this suffering, through the opposition in this world, he is bringing us into a new heavens and a new earth for the sake of his everlasting glory. And so, yes, there is a very special way, very particular way that as Christians we are to handle trials. That's why he says in verse 19, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Have you ever noticed that in trying times, people can be very quick to angry comments, retorts. They can be very quickly to be bitter, resentful, and that's reflected in careless, accusatory often words. Just watch the news. Somebody is murdered. And just listen to the way people respond. People are very quick to react to events with anger and judgmentalism. But we who are born again are changed. And who we are and our purpose in this life makes us different from all those around who are not believers. There is such a thing as righteous anger. <laughs> but be very careful. Because in our righteous anger we can sin. As we read about in Psalm 4 and Ephesians 4, anger, even righteous anger, must be controlled. And we must always exercise with love and injustice. So, be slow to anger. Listen. Don't be quick to speak. Don't be quick to mutter. Be quick to listen. 
For anger does not lead to the kind of righteousness that reflects Christ. We who confess Christ must live like him. And James here is addressing that. And we're just going to look this morning at verses 19 through 21. And this evening we're going to look at verses um, 22 through 25. And then you say, well, what about the last remaining verses? Well, if they ever ask me back to preach, then we'll maybe pick those up and, and deal with the last three verses. But there's three segments to this. And um, this evening deals with doing the word, and then the last part deals with religious living and personal piety. But amid our troubles, we must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, notice that that is a command. It's not just advice. Know this. And it's interesting that in teaching us to be Christ-like in trials, James immediately goes to the practical issues of the way we behave. Listening, speaking, anger, these are relational Issues, matters. And James says that in these areas, we must humbly receive the word of truth implanted in us by the Spirit. Because how we live is an expression of this. As he says in the next verse, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And by the word souls, that's not just meaning something inside. That's the whole person. It's not just your justification. That's your sanctification as well. And the evidence of new birth is new life. And life is lived. Our speech, our listening, our emotional disposition, our temperaments, our morality reflects who we are. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what our trials. You see, to accept the word, to listen to the word, is more than just hearing it, more than just knowing it. It means being changed by it, governed by it. Rejection of the word is the opposite of acceptance. Hearing and not acting is rejection. Hearing the word and not acting according to it, is rejection of that word. Acceptance implies you're going to live by it. It's action. 
It is so easy in the midst of life difficulties to be distracted then from following the word. If that word is not actively living, it's so easy to just go by gut instinct, by old habits. Think of the parable of the sower and the seeds that initially grew but were choked and killed by immoral living and the trials of life. So how we live together is part and parcel of our faith in Christ. Therefore, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James is addressing, as I said, the way we relate to each other as Christians here in the church, but also when we go home, and also we go to work, play, school. And basic to our conduct is our mutual acceptance of the word. You know what hinders the word? from taking root and bearing fruit in our lives? Well, sometimes we're slow to listen. He ties speaking and anger in with being slow to listen for a good reason. James addresses the tongue, seeing it as a restless evil because of the damage it does in the fellowship of the church particularly in trying times when we're prone to to anger and resentment. So James commands us, be quick to listen. And that starts right here. Listening to the word read and preached. It includes Bible studies. It includes devotions. Family devotions. But it starts here as the primary means of grace. Where God comes to us as a community. And he addresses us. And he reveals Christ to us and Christ like living to us. It says this is how you live together. Sometimes we listen to sermons with one ear and half our brain is somewhere else we must learn to see Jesus Christ through our ears maybe you never thought of that before using your ears that way but we have to learn to see Jesus Christ by hearing I don't want to mix things up too much but we have to develop as what the psalmist would say is The single eye, our focus must be, not double focused, it must be single focused on what God is trying to teach us. Because only then can we give the appropriate response, which is why James says, be slow to speak. You know how often it is, my wife reminds me of this quite often, that when listening to each other, we can be reforming responses before they are finished speaking. She reminds me of that quite often. 
And that happens, I've discovered, in sermons, too. I'm retired now, and I have to listen to more sermons than I used to. And I know how easy it is to hear a sentence, and I will complete the preacher's thought by going off on my own tangent, thus cutting him off. And I hear a completely different sermon (laughs) than the one that is being preached. James is saying we have to be active listeners. Don't don't be so quick to speak ourselves first. Active listeners of the word, not so quick with their own interpretations and reactions. How does that relate to anger? Anger tends to hinder good listening. If any of you came here and you were angry with somebody else, you're going to have a hard time listening this morning. And everything you hear are going to be heard in the light of that anger. Timothy says anger, in fact, hinders your prayers. You can't pray the way you should. It gives the devil a foothold into your life. Yes, if we are resentful, angry, bitter, we have a hard time humbly listening and submitting to the word, especially if it steps on our toes. That's when we tend to resent even more. And we do not receive a blessing since our minds and our hearts are clouded with other things rather than just listening and receiving. And this resentment complicates the matter further and can lead to slanderous thoughts, gossip, more anger, more bitterness. How we listen to the word is then seen in how we relate to each other. And this is why before we come to worship, we have to, as was done earlier, we quiet our hearts. That's not before God, but we have to also do that during the week, I believe. We make sure there's nothing ill between each other. We're always praying that we love as Christ is loved. We forgive as Christ is forgiven. We have to be one together in Christ so we can worship aright and hear the Lord. As the psalmist says, in your anger do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your heart and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Psalm 4, 4 and 5. Many conversations that are had are what one person has called dialogues of the deaf. Meaning that many are talking, but not many people are listening. We have a natural tendency to um, be more interested in ourselves and how we feel than how others feel and how others are doing. And so while seeming to listen, we could be thinking more about ourselves. And in that way, you'll find that conversations can suddenly uh, take surprising turns. And in the middle of a conversation, somebody becomes angry with us. and We're not really sure why. What have we missed? Oh, we've been paying too much attention to ourselves and not to the other person. 
We must not be so quick to speak, even in our minds, for it often means we are slow to listen. Good listening is an art form to be learned by practice, and we are often too busy to learn it. Parents often have little time to listen to children, and children are so busy, they don't have much time to listen to parents. And, of course, they always think they know what the other person is going to say. Perhaps our listening problem has been amplified by media, where everything comes in 15 or 30-second blurbs. So we don't just listen beyond that. We lose the capability. Nobody really listens if we can't get it into a few seconds. We catch drifts of things, even when it comes to the news. We're not told the whole story. We just get a little drift of things. Each character is in his own world, and the worlds briefly collide and drift apart without any lasting consequences. That's the way a lot of TV shows are, too. Dialogues of the deaf. And that's not the way it should be here in the body of Christ. As we listen to the word of our Savior, or as we listen and speak to each other, and it takes effort to understand God, because he is infinite, far beyond our comprehension. But it takes difficult to understand, difficult, it's difficult to understand each other who are made in his image. And it's difficult to learn how we are to work out our faith together in fear and in trembling. We often can say that, well, we don't see each other working out our faith, but perhaps it's because we're too self-absorbed or too busy to know each other in truth. And therefore, often church disputes arise because we're too involved in ourselves. And James will deal with that a little later on in the book. James is saying the anger of man, and what's all involved in anger is included, does not achieve the righteousness of God. And that speaks to many. Amidst our struggles, we can be angry, and improper anger reveals a heart condition that is the opposite of God's righteous plan for us. God's plan is to transform us by grace and anger that is out of control and inappropriate shows us that something is seriously wrong. A righteous life is one of following, loving God and loving our neighbor. Something we cannot do when we are anger, angry or bitter. Our emotional life our speech, the way we listen, our relationships, all these things provide an indication of our sanctification. They're a test of our real godliness. I know I'm touching on the next verses that are coming, but James' words reveal in all of us serious deficiencies in our character, in our relationships, and in the ways in which we respond to our own trials. We may recognize the anger that James is talking about. We may recognize the lack of appropriate speech or maybe that we're poor listeners. James' words ought to move us to repentance, to humility, and to further growth. May the Holy Spirit fill us and renew us. Spiritual life is not the work of a moment. It's the work of a lifetime. And we are being called here to grow in grace, to manifest the new life, and not just privately, 
but together in all of life. In James 21, James adds, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And you might be a little surprised at that language at this point, wondering what he means by moral filth and evil. Well, unrighteous anger is moral filth, isn't it? When one responds with sharp cutting words that put others down, evil is entering into the relationship where love is supposed to prevail. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered man commits many sins. Anger is evil. does not promote the righteousness of God. There is, in fact, a moral dirtiness to anger that corrupts the fellowship of God's people. The tongue is a persistent evil, James will go on to say, for we so often speak what ought not be spoken. Lashing out in anger is the worst we can do in trying circumstances. Now notice the solution that James gives. He says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. The word here is not the word that comes bubbling up out of your sinful, angry hearts. It's the word of God planted in you by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, humble yourself under the word, that very word which reveals Jesus Christ, who reveals to us the Father through the working of the Spirit. Humble yourself under that word, for there there is salvation. There you find justification, but more, there you find growing sanctification where the more you know Christ, the more you learn about God, the more you become like him. Brothers and sisters, that is precisely how we gain control of our tongues, our ears, our actions, our anger, our bitterness. That's how we learn to suppress wickedness and moral filth. If we let anger and bitterness and malice and hatred continue, that can rule us and control tongue, ears, everything. The word planted in you by the Holy Spirit can save you from these things. If you abide in the word, it will bear much fruit. It can save you. Not only grant you the forgiveness of sins so that you are right with God, but save you completely in terms of transform you so that you are more like Christ to the day when you will be glorified with Christ. Therefore, you must live in the word. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it. Pray. Do it. This is the point of humbly. Be open to correction by it because we know that we are prone 
to wander, to sin? Are we teachable? Are we quick to listen? Listen to the word as it is read, as it is preached, proclaimed, as it applied. Our viewpoint is always not the thing that is necessary to be heard. Rather, we must hear what God is saying to us. We should learn to listen to godly men as they open up the word and reveal God to us and Christ to us and the spirit to us and how we are to live in fellowship and like them. And then we have to put that into practice, not only being hearers of the word, but doers. For as we humbly submit, the word changes us. And then as Peter says in 1 Peter 2.15, it is by God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Let people hear Jesus on your lips and let them see Jesus in your living rather than sinful pride, anger, vindictiveness, and the like. Following Jesus means we not only hear God's will, but as Jesus did, we submit to the will of the Father in everything. Not just in easy times, but even as it were in our own gardens of Gethsemane. Not my will, your will be done. True godliness does not merely agree with the word, it lives it. James remind us here, reminds us here that for us this involves both a negative and a positive activity. We are to put aside evil. We are to put aside the remnants of sin. We are to get rid of it. We are to liberally seek to purge ourselves of it. And the positive way to do this begins with we receive the word. We receive Christ implanted in us by the Spirit. Inspired in Scripture. And we meditate, meditate on it continually. He is speaking here of the word of God as a means of sanctification. For becoming like Christ. God designs the word to penetrate our hearts, our minds. Forcing us to see our sin, to repent of it. And then to receive the grace of Christ to begin to keep the law of God. Sitting under the word as that is read and proclaimed and applied is designed to transform us by God's grace and to equip us for the ministry that we are all called to. To be witnesses. Not all missionaries, but all witnesses. With regular preaching, I think sometimes we're prone to be passive listeners. We hear sermons all the time. So do you come as a spiritually starving believer to know God and to be transformed by that word and spirit? We so need this means of grace. We, we, we had a prayer of confession earlier. It was pretty exhaustive. Did we mean it? Do we see that we fail in all the commandments? Don't we see that we need this word and we need it seriously preached and addressed to us? 
We need this means of grace to help us walk faithfully in the days ahead as witnesses of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. True Christ-likeness begins with us first and foremost, humbly, repentantly, believingly, bowing before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be still. Come to know your God. Hear him. Give your heart. Give your mind. Give your life. And let him shape you by his word. More on that this evening. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have granted us the privilege of hearing a section of your word opened and applied. We pray by your spirit that indeed you will apply it to us, that we may hear it in such a way that we live it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.